Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. On today's full episode, we're going to cover the latest and greatest travel industry news. So much has been happening. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Today is a very special day, Teresa. Happy National Travel Advisor Day. <laughs> Happy blah, 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 back at you. That one's a hard one to get, <laughs> to get out. Well, the day we're recording is May 5th, and I know this is going to air on the next day. And I'm just going to make an executive decision now and say it's National Travel Advisor Decade. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> so we're going to celebrate every single day. Mm-hmm. For sure, at least the rest of this year, we should be celebrated to the highest degree. I agree. And I just want to give a shout out to every single travel professional out there, including advisors, suppliers, anyone within the travel industry. Because if you're listening to this, if you're still in the industry, guys, we made it. We survived. You got a lot of moxie, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we are resilient AF. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so excited as usual, about all of the headlines that we are going to discuss today because it just feels like every day a new story is coming out and that door is opening wider and wider. And I actually quoted you in my personal stories today. I was updating my personal network on travel and I mentioned how you talked about Chuck Norris roundhouse kicking that door open. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is just every single day, another great article. And I remember a year ago, every single day was another disappointment, another disappointment. And now I'm just getting so pumped up every day when I read all of this wonderful news. Is there one you would like to get us started? Let's start with a really easy and light one from afar. And it's just called, These Countries Are Open to Vaccinated Travelers. (laughs) I really like how Afar will do like a lot of lists to just give us a quick summary, just like we like to do, Mm -hmm. of what's going on. And they are regularly regularly updating the list of countries that are welcoming vaccinated visitors, including Americans. So among the latest additions are the Bahamas, Grenada, Cyprus, and Greece, which we've talked about. Now, just so you know, the list that they're giving, they're saying they are open to vaccinated visitors. Not everyone is requiring vaccination. So like Greece, for instance, there's a testing vaccination. And actually, the more we're hearing about new destinations opening up, it seems like that's going to be the theme that maybe the vaccination won't be the only way. But I'm just going to go through this list really quick. Um, Anguilla, Bahamas, Barbados, Belize, British Virgin Islands, Croatia, Cyprus, Ecuador, Estonia, the Republic of Georgia. I actually know someone who's there right now. It looks amazing. Grenada, Guatemala, Iceland, Israel, Montenegro, Nepal, Seychelles, and Tahiti. A pretty good list compared to where we were a few months ago. (laughs) 
I fully agree. And I love lists like these is I always want to leverage the content to post on social media. So like could easily make a reel with like music in the background and be like, these are the countries opening up for Americans or whatever you want to say. And like, boom, 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 list it out yourself really easy. And also making a post on it and also an Instagram story. I know you did a really great one on your personal Instagram story that I saw where you're just like, guys, listen, these are the countries that are opening. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep my personal network updated and I'm actually going to start even posting what I'm booking so they can see this is where people are going. Um, But my social media manager, AKA my wife, Tracy is actually planning to do a series of posts that are about what specifically in Europe is open and then also which cruises are going it's a lot of content there for the taking. You could do a reel or you could do one post per day and fill up your feed. So I recommend both though, because you don't yeah. need to worry that you're telling people yep. too many times. <laughs> <laughs> as much as possible. That would be um, the best strategy, I think. Yeah. So of course, I would recommend going to take a look at this article because there are a lot more details, destination by destination about the logistics about how you can travel there. Um, And of course, we're seeing a lot of discussion around still, again, trying to figure out a standard passport, health passport. And that's mentioned in almost every case. And I have some stuff in excess baggage about that as well. But that's really all that article was. And I really enjoyed seeing that nice long list of places that we can go. Um, And speaking about places that we can go, there's this one article from Travel Age West that is titled, Why Now is the Best Time to Book Post-COVID-19 Travel to Latin America. Now, these places, not all of them are open yet. However, a lot of the destinations that are listed here were already very exclusive and limited um, capacity destinations. For example, the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. I mean, that used to be you had to book at least a year or two out. And then considering where we are now, people who are rebooking plus new people who want to go there, this is the time for you to really talk to your clients if you do sell those kinds of experiences um, to let them know like, hey, if this is what you want to do, we need to start thinking about it right now. And we've talked about this before, but this was specifically for Latin American countries um, and also other places like Easter Island, Patagonia. Like these are places that are bucket list trips that a lot of people had canceled. And these are trips that you want to rebook. It's not like they're saying, oh, we didn't get to go to the Galapagos in 2020. We're not going anymore. Yeah. We're not going to say that. <laughs> just forget it. <laughs> yeah, just forget it. We don't need to see the the tortoises. No, <laughs> people are rebooking. So just another piece for you to really share with your clients and let them know if you really want to go to these places in Latin America, we need to start looking at it right now. Um, it also mentions Mexico, how it's one of the countries that didn't really lose as much tourism dollars as places like Peru, Argentina, Chile, for example, um, because they were one of the countries that were still open to Americans last year. Um, one thing this article mentions is that um, advisors should be cautious of booking multi-country itineraries simply because each country might have different rules. So let's just say you're doing Argentina and Chile for um, for a trip. If Chile just, you know, 
has a spike and says, you know what, we're not allowing tourists into Chile for a little bit. Well, your clients will really have their itinerary kind of messed up <laughs> if they have like a combined itinerary. So um, keep that in mind while you are planning and booking out your client's trip to Latin America. And I think they will really appreciate you for providing them that kind of advice. Absolutely. Speaking of, you know, advising people and uh, making sure you are passing along any important information, there was an article in Travel Weekly. It is an opinion piece by Mark Pestronk, I think that's right. And I thought it was a very interesting conversation. And it's the headline is agencies accept terms and conditions for clients. So the question was, if a cruise liner tour operator sends my agency a copy of its terms and conditions and we don't forward them to our client, is the client nevertheless bound by the terms and conditions? If so, then I don't understand the law because I thought that to be bound by a contract, you had to have an opportunity to read it and accept or reject it. What if we are acting as our own tour operator instead of just a travel agent by selling a package that we put together? In that case, is the client bound by the terms and conditions of all of the suppliers that we use? That's very complicated. So there's actually, <laughs> there's no, uh, there's several answers in here, but I really did. It was somewhat comforting to me, although sometimes, you know, I do put together custom FITs. Does that make me a tour operator? It sounds like yes in that case, uh, which that's something too that you have to remember to discuss with your E&O insurance if you're doing packages like that. So there's a difference between being a booking agent and being like a tour operator. So I think, Teresa, that means that you are probably considered a tour operator if you're using multiple suppliers on one trip. I usually go with one TO depending oh, on. Yeah, because I unless it's something that's like easy enough to put together, like if it's just like two hotels or something and I'm just booking directly like on Marriott or whatever it is, for the most part, if it's um, like an in-destination trip, I use a trusted TO because it gives me peace of mind knowing that they have an office on the ground, for example, and someone can be there to help them. And um, from what I found, the service level that they provide and also the rates that they provide are really beneficial to my clients. So I also want to bypass the whole TO designation because I don't need that extra liability in my life. Absolutely. And according to this article, it says, if your agency acts in the capacity of a tour operator, it is no longer the client's agent, but rather a supplier in its own right. So it cannot bind the client to any terms and conditions other than your own. Super important then. The good news is for you who's using 1TO, it says that according to court precedents, acceptance of terms and conditions by your agency binds your client just as though the client had received and accepted them. It doesn't matter whether you forward them to your client or whether your client ever sees them, which sounds nuts. But they are saying that, even though they mentioned that according to court precedents, they're saying the key takeaway is that you have a legal duty to make sure your clients get a copy of the supplier's terms and conditions, or at least a link to them, which I do use that a lot in my invoices to save space. If you fail to do so, clients will be bound anyway and then may blame you for losing their rights, which could lead to a lawsuit against you. What I typically do is when I put the itinerary and quote together on the itinerary builder um, that I'm using, 
In the additional comments or the notes area, I will have a separate section that talks about my on the ground partner. So for example, if I'm doing Japan, I will have a little blurb that says our on the ground partner in Japan is inside Japan. Um, and then I will attach the terms and conditions for that tour operator within that note and say, um, by booking this trip, you are also agreeing to the terms and conditions of our on the ground partner. And I, when I collect the authorization for their deposit, I also mention, please make sure to look through the terms and conditions, including the ones of the TO. And do they look at it? I don't know, but at least it's there multiple times for them to be able to access it and know. And I let them know, like, please be familiar with the cancellation and rescheduling policies. So it's transparent, it's out there, and that way, it doesn't, if it comes back on me, I'll just say, these were the times where I pointed this out to you. Right. And that is what gets really tricky because we know clients do not read. At the end of the day, all you can do is provide the information. They are grown adults. Yeah. If they read it is up to them, but you do want to make sure that you can say, here it is. Remember when I sent you that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was an interesting article. I recommend you go and read that. That's a really great conversation that is has always been relevant, but in these post-pandemic times when everything's super touchy, you want to make sure that you are minding your P's and Q's in every possible way. Yeah, I need to revisit that because as you were talking about it, I'm just mentally going, wait, what? <laughs> so I'll have to go back and look at it again. I have to as well because I do some custom work and I really need to think through whether it's worth it or whether I just need to use a trusted on the ground partner. I mean, mm -hmm. price wise, it's usually a better price for a client and more profitable for me. If I piece it together, it's also more of a pain in the butt for me, but everybody wins in the money department that way, unless something were to happen and they were not bound by the terms and conditions of the supplier because I had pieced it together. So that's really something that I have to, give a lot more thought and figure out how to handle that, how to, how to work my own terms and conditions to make it, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, but it's definitely food for thought. Yeah. I mean, I go with a TO a lot of times because I really don't want to be the person who is the immediate on call person mm -hmm. in a destination especially if I'm in a different time zone. I really, there's really nothing I can do like for them in that destination. So I go with a TO and I think the trade-off in terms of like the commission that I make plus the time that goes into it, it kind of balances out yep. at least for me. And there might be like a one-off hotel or something that I book separately from the TO, but I love having that kind of support where they can, you know, they're just if their flight is delayed and they've got a transfer waiting and a train waiting, I can just call the TO and be like, Hey, this is what's going on. And they'll, they'll change everything versus having me do it by myself from another time zone. It's a really valid point. And, and I'm going to be crunching on that with my brain quite a bit. <laughs> You're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What do you have next? Uh, there is an article from Travel Age West again, and it's a survey saying that nearly half of travelers are more likely to work with an advisor after the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Um, and we already knew this. We've been seeing this. And a lot of us have had new clients who are like, you know, I never worked with a TA before, but you're my first. And I figured during this time, working with someone who knows what they're doing will be beneficial for me. That's right. we, all, we all knew we were beneficial pre-COVID, but now <laughs> everyone knows. It's nice to be recognized. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to be recognized. And I, the last booking I made, um, or one of the one of the three that I made yesterday um, for FITs, they traveled a lot on their own internationally pre-COVID. But then for this particular trip, they reached out to me. Uh, and I was like, why did you decide this time to reach out? And those reasons are what they gave. Like, they're not sure what, you know, they're not sure what the restrictions are and, you know, all this stuff that we live in every single day and can more easily tell them versus if you're trying to Google something, it's so overwhelming to try and figure yep. stuff out. So um, in this article, it says on May 5th, this year's National Travel Advisor Day, Agencies and independent travel advisors are waking up to a world of good news. Tra several cruise lines have relaunched with itineraries outside the U.S. The EU is poised to welcome vaccinated travelers this summer. And some destinations, including Alaska and the Maldives, are offering COVID-19 vaccines to visitors. And the title of this article, that nearly half of travelers are more likely to work with an advisor after the COVID-19 pandemic. I love it. I was actually, I haven't finished it yet, but I was just this morning listening to a podcast that we both know and love, Masters in Travel. And the topic this week was about communicating the value of a TA to your clients. And it's going to be easier than ever right now, which is... Yeah, I if I have to hear one person say, well, why would I use a travel agent? Mm -hmm. there's, there's the internet. I'll be like, okay. Good luck. Go ahead. I'm not going to be, you know, groveling for business because I know people who value advisors are already here. Absolutely. I mean, I already have a very full clientele of them, but I have a team that we're trying to build up and <laughs> it'll be nice for them to feel much more confident. I remember starting out and the general attitude was, why would I use a TA? And so I'm very happy for newer TAs right now because that hopefully will not be an obstacle they have to mm -hmm. face constantly. So another article from Travel Weekly that I picked up is called Vacation Rental Providers Report High Demand and Surging Prices. This piqued my interest because it's about vacation rentals and we know that those are more popular than ever. People feel safer in a lot of cases with like a separate accommodation. And the byline says demand for luxury vacation rentals has never been higher. And for travel advisors hoping to book their high-end clients into private accommodations, time is of the essence. So we've been repeating this and it just came up in your like Galapagos subject there. We know you like, if you want it, you better book it. I can't believe how many people how many inquiries, and I read this in an article when I was preparing too, about the, the, the um, inquiries that are coming in for Christmas, for festive. Oh my goodness, I'm getting so many. And unfortunately, a lot of them are saying, can you get me a deal? And I'm like, <laughs> just the opposite. You know, I, yeah, I, I'll be lucky <laughs> if you get space. I can't even find you a room, you know, like, yeah. and I certainly would not 
laugh at my client. I, it's just getting funnier to me the more that come in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I communicate to my clients that like, no, this is really tough. But this article piqued my interest because I have always avoided booking vacation rentals. And the reason I don't even like to book something like an Airbnb for myself, not that I haven't and not that I won't, it's just not my first choice. Aside from that, I don't want to do dishes. But um, the those platforms give the owner so much power and the consumer none. So I have been seeing so many people in my personal network on you know, travel agent boards saying that my client's vacation rental was canceled at the last second. And here we are talking about the, the issue with availability. So imagine your clients have tickets, you know, flight tickets, and then their accommodation cancels and you can't find them a new one. It's just such a horror story. And I'm just seeing it over and over and over again. Now, this article focuses a lot on like villas of distinction. And I can't imagine that that is as much of an issue when you're using a company like that. But what percentage of your clients are villas of distinction level? You know what I mean? So this is focusing on luxury, but luxury is booming. People are willing to spend a lot more than they were willing to spend because they've missed out on so much and they want to make up for it. But I don't know. I, I just feel so scared and so hesitant to book vacation rentals for this reason. What about you? I've been booking more vacation rentals this year than I have ever booked. Yeah. And that's not saying that it's a lot. It's just compared to pre-COVID times, the number of vacation rentals that I was booking. And I think a lot of the last minute cancellations are with companies like Verbo or something where it's more um, where the owner has more power right. than the actual travelers. Because I also use like HVN and stuff like that for the rentals as well. So for me, there's always a level of risk in booking anything for travel. And I think it's, I actually don't know like how to not, or how to, you know, decrease that risk, especially for vacation rentals. There's really nothing. If, if I mean, a client is going to book a vacation rental on their own or with you. Right. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, well, as long as I'm booking it through a company that has some kind of managerial support or mm -hmm. something like that, it makes me feel a little bit better versus booking on Verbo, for example. Oh yeah, I would never. And I, I would like to think that booking through HVN or Villas of Distinction, but I think I have read that because Classic is offering Verbo, I've seen some complaints about cancellations because at the end of the day, it's Verbo's terms. And right. they give so much power to the owners. Mm -hmm. Now, like you said, at least at Classic, there's hopefully a way to get to a resolution. It's a big company that that has some corporate structure, but it's really scary for me. And I agree with you. If your client wants a vacation rental, they're going to book it with or without you. And I guess I take it on a case-by-case -case basis, whether I want to be involved in that transaction or not. Mm -hmm. Um. But the point is, 
just as we're seeing, even the luxury vacation rental supp suppliers are seeing a huge surge in demand. So if your client wants something like that, if they come to you and they want a vacation rental, one of our team members, Whitney, <laughs> has just been saying, if you want this, you need to book it right now, <laughs> which I love the candidness. Like we have to just like almost everything else now be preparing our clients. I've got an email template that says availability and pricing is really slippery right now. So it's mm -hmm. important that you're ready to make a decision when we begin this process. Right. Just so people are ready. But also because of the demand, the pricing is nuts. We're seeing that with flights as well. And actually you brought up a point too. We, we had our company meeting yesterday and I feel terrible not being able to give some solid advice to our team about car rentals. There's a car rental shortage and there's a lot of fear around whether a car will actually be available when our clients arrive to pick it up. Now I just booked a car through Auto Europe who is generally the only provider I'll use. They, it's Auto Europe, but they're all over the world. Uh, and I didn't have any trouble. So I feel more comfortable sort of in the same vein, like at least Auto Europe, there's a manager there, there's people who can hopefully get things done. But if there's no cars, there are no, no cars. And how do we prepare our clients for that possibility? There's no good way to be like, well, we're going to get, we're going to do a car rental, but it might not be there. <laughs> You know, like, and there's yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing at all that we can do to increase the probability that that the car will be there. We're just at the mercy of whatever happens. Now, um, one of our agents called Auto Europe yesterday and the girl told her she has not seen a single person not get their car. Inflated prices, yes, but she has not seen anyone not get their car. And because I booked with them and got my car, I feel good about it too, but... There's just so much uncertainty right now with vacation rentals, car rentals. Ooh, I've seen a lot of complaints about um, room categories not being available, that certain resorts are overselling swim-up suites and things like that. How do we, like, that is, your client will never trust you again if they get there and they don't get what you booked for them. It's just tricky times. I think a way to address this is even if they book on their own and encounter that issue, like the issue is still there. Right. Right. But with you as their travel advisor, at least you can help them resolve the issue as best as possible. Like you can work behind the scenes to help them resolve that versus them having to try and figure out how to do it on their own. At so least they have, they have a fierce kind of advocate. Yes. Yes. So, you know, if there, if there are no cars, there are no cars, but you're there to try and figure something out for them as an alternative yeah. versus them having to do it themselves. So that's the way I look at it. Um, and is it the best case scenario? If that's not prime, I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> it's not what I would want. It's not ideal. <laughs> it's not ideal, but that is a way for you to still be an advocate for your clients, even when the shizen hits the fan. <laughs> the <shizen>. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's get off that depressing subject. What do you have next? My last one, uh, Greece, duh. Uh, it's a New York Times travel article. And it says that Greece has decided to reopen before their other EU counterparts. And 
For the rest of the EU, they're looking at maybe June, whereas Greece started opening it for tourism in April, started opening it for Americans. They're going to open up for Americans this month. And it says that Greece relies so heavily on tourism. And the quote is, we cannot wait until June. They want to capitalize on the desire to travel right now. And get ahead of the race. Exactly. That's what they want to do. And so obviously this article stood out because as we've already talked about in previous episodes, like Greece is on my mind. Mm -hmm. So even though the U.S. State Department recently added Greece to its long list of countries with the designation level four, do not travel, Greek officials maintain that with social distancing measures and testing protocols, alongside the warming weather, tourism in the country will be safe for visitors and residents alike. Wunderbar. I love it. Yeah. Uh, level four, do not travel. Um, how about level five? Do not tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the State Department needs to stop telling me how to live my life. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've already been listening to you. And now if we can see a way to travel as safely as possible, we're probably going to take it. Agreed. Agrees. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are we ready for excess baggage? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Pulse, hotel owners in Cancun and other popular Mexican Caribbean destinations are reporting a surge in advanced bookings, as opposed to the last minute reservations they've been dealing with as the region continues to reopen to international tourism. They also report that St. Kitts and Nevis announced May 5th that the two island nation will be welcoming back vaccinated cruise passengers in July with Seaborn. Travel Weekly says that Texas became the latest state to host a protest against the CDC's cruise ban with Carnival Cruise Line crew and executives joining members of the Federal Maritime Commission, Galveston City and Port officials, and local businesses at the Port of Galveston to highlight cruising's economic impact. Another one from Travel Weekly says that bookings for travel between the U.S. and Caribbean, including Cancun, have recovered to just 2% below 2019 levels for the second and third quarters, according to an analysis by Forward Keys. A headline from Travel Market Report says that Norwegian Cruise Line will allow guests to explore ports on their own. The cruise line is still requiring all guests and crew to be fully vaccinated at least two weeks prior to departure. That is a requirement that will remain in place through at least October 31st. Norwegian is also requiring COVID-19 antigen tests paid for by Norwegian prior to boarding. They also report that France plans to reopen its borders to Americans and other non-European Union travelers starting June 9th. Foreign visitors will be required to present a health passport or a sanitary pass. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. That includes either proof that they've been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or proof of a negative PCR test taken recently. According to Afar, Spain plans to welcome all global travelers in June. Spain is preparing to implement a digital health certificate, which it is piloting in all of the country's 46 airports in May. And Travel Agent Central reports that Italy is preparing to reopen in the second half of June. And one last one from Travel Agent Central says that Uncruise Adventures is starting its Alaska sailing season a bit earlier than anticipated. Several modified COVID-19 protocols recently added by Washington state health officials resulted in cancellation of three Pacific Northwest voyages from Seattle. So the line has offered replacement Juno sailings with air and hotel arrangements paid by the small ship line. 
And that's it for excess baggage. While Corrine catches her breath, just a reminder that all the articles referenced today can be found in the show notes. So I hope you've caught your breath because I want to know what's something you are loving right now. I'm loving vineyards and wine. (laughs) Uh, I now live in a place where there are tons of vineyards around. I've never, I'm really a beer lover and I do love tequila, so I'm in the right place, Um, but have not been that big on wine. However, who doesn't love to sit in a vineyard and listen to live music, be outside, nice breeze, nice atmosphere. So that is something I'm really capitalizing here. And then I'm also loving that my wife, Tracy, is being such a good sport and trying different wines because she has not only not been a wine lover, but basically like it's a no-go. But, you know, you want to be able to go to vineyards and go with the flow. So she is um, rosé all day at this point. (laughs) And every vineyard around here seems to have rosé. I've been on a sparkling wine kick because it's hot. And may I add, we were not prepared for how hot it is here. And we don't have air conditioning. So in the afternoons, it gets up to 90. Like inside your house? I don't know. I don't want to know what the temperature is inside this house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at one point, we will close all the blinds and get a lot of fans going. And then it's like, you would not not have it. You would not have it. Um, It's just... Uh, it's, it's a little tricky. April and May are the hottest months. So we're almost to the other side of it. Then rainy season starts and that'll be interesting to see. But so for right now, we don't have AC. We might as well go sit in a vineyard and drink some wine. And the food has been amazing at all of the vineyards that we've been to. We've been to one that was a little bit commercial, but the other ones have just been absolutely heavenly. And there's so many more to explore. So I need like a, some kind of a punch card or some kind of yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, create a little vineyard map, like Corrine's vineyard map. When when I when I heard you say vineyards and wine, I, I did you did you watch Shit's Creek or no? No. So Maura, she um, is hired to be a spokesperson for like this one wine company and his name is Herb Ertlinger Fruit Wines and the way that she says it is so <laughs> funny and so like that's what I hear. <laughs> Vineyards and that's why someone wine. commented you're giving me Moira vibes and I didn't get it. <laughs> now I get it. Okay. Yes. I highly <laughs> recommend that show. Highly recommend. Well on that note what is something you're loving? So you may or may not know, but May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So on HBO Max, they have a section for like AAPI movies and shows like both in front of the screen and behind the screen. So um, it was weird at first because I saw movies like Crazy Rich Asians and then I saw like Aquaman and Hobbs and Shaw and I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, oh, yeah, Jason Momoa is Pacific Islander. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a Pacific Islander. So they put it, put all those movies there. One of my all-time favorite movies is on that list, and that is Rush Hour. I <laughs> must have watched that movie 50-plus times in my entire lifetime. Like, I would say closer to 100 because my grandmother also really loves the movie. So whenever I went to go visit her... We had it on VHS. We would watch it like two or three times. And 
some people might think it is a highly inappropriate movie for our grandmother to be watching, but no, we like we bonded over this movie. So I put it on yesterday and I forgot what a gem this movie is. (laughs) That's what I'm loving right now. I'm going to have to watch it. I did see it way back when, but I don't really remember much about it. So I'm going to have to watch it for some good, wholesome fun. Uh, Wholesome. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should say what destination is on our minds at the same time after I count to three. Okay. Okay, One, two, three. We have a little internet lag. So. (laughs) 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 Well, that went swimmingly. (laughs) Sorry. Grease is on our minds, both of our minds. So, yeah, I'm not editing that out. I'm leaving it in. So, (laughs) no, no. I put I put Grease in the Trello card today, and I get a message. I'm putting Grease too. I'm like, I know we're both we've just been obsessed, and actually, we have a guest coming up pretty soon in like a couple of weeks, who's going to um, get us all even more excited because by then. It will have officially opened to Americans, and maybe we can talk a little bit about how it's going. I think partly we're into Greece right now, right? Because we can go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's number one. Ooh, I also was supposed to. Here I go again. <laughs> oh, I gotta watch that. I um, I was supposed to go to Greece in 2020. So not only is it exciting. I mean, I guess you could could have said like someplace. I can't think of a funny place to say, but someplace not that exciting was open and I might want to go there. But also since I missed out on a Greece trip and now I'm thinking of doing something a little different than I originally planned and really just Greece focused. And I just can't decide. Now I'm having a little trouble pulling the trigger on making something. And I'm finding that even with the smaller trips that I'm booking because it's like this weird space where we weren't booking. And now I feel like this weird like trigger shy feeling where I'm scared to commit. How about you? I am seeing Greece as a business investment. Same. Um, so for me, I, it's not really a hesitation to book. It's just trying to figure out logistics and um, dates and availability as well. So for me, I I feel like I'm 90% sure mm. I'm going just waiting for the dates to work out. And um, my mom's going to be coming back from Taiwan in June. So figuring out her schedule along with, you know, flights and availability and all that stuff. So it's a business investment for me. When I went to Aruba, I could not believe the number of people who reached out to me while I was there because I was posting about it. And similar with um, me wanting to go to Greece, I see it as a business investment because a lot of times people are waiting to see someone they know actually go someplace, especially during this time. Like, I don't want to say post pandemic yet because I don't feel like we're completely over the hump, but like during this time when things are slowly opening up, it's helpful, at least for me to actually go somewhere and have people see me there in that destination. A hundred percent. But um, it's over, Teresa. It's post-pandemic. It is over. I have decided. So let's let's be bold and say post-pandemic. 
<laughs> Says the person who doesn't want to commit to trans. I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm complicated. Um, I, I don't, I'm having trouble committing, but I am getting things on the books. First, I have to focus on getting back to the U S this month. And then I feel like once I get that over with, get that second vaccine shot, get my little card that says I'm good to go. Then I might feel a little bolder in booking something like transatlantic air. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm super excited about it. I agree with you hundred percent an investment in our business. We all need to be taking advantage of any opportunities we have to get out there and travel and make sure that you're posting about it. And if you need help knowing how Teresa has an incredible course called fan with intention, I almost lost it for a second. Um, which I took myself and is a wonderful resource. So I'll just give that unsolicited plug real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kareen. (laughs) Well, thanks for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative. Once again, all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. Yep. And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We will link those in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge, where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. Bye. Like we do it.